Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark is here on a Tuesday. Uh, the Louisville women's basketball team, they are on a winning streak here, four in a row, and the headband of that team joins us now here. Jeff, we haven't had a chance to do this very much uh, this year. We appreciate you making time for us, man. How's everything going? Here's what I want to know. What do you do as a, a busy coach at the busiest time of year to make sure you don't uh, uh, forget about Valentine's Day? How does Jeff Walls execute Valentine's Day, buddy? Well, we uh, we did a little c- c- celebrating last night at our house. With our girls, so we we had a very nice time, and our nine and and set and, and seven year old surprised us with breakfast in bed this morning, some waffles and some fruit. Oh, that's so, awesome! That's great, and and some hot coffee. So yes, it was a huge surprise by them. So very 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 appreciative. And Jeff, a, a couple of uh, weeks ago, you really kind of unloaded uh, after. Uh, a disappointing loss to Wake Forest, and and the message seems to have gotten through since then. You've won four in a row. You made some lineup changes, that sort of thing. Where where were you then that you sort of felt like okay, now's the time to sort of I, these they have to know this is not okay. Where were you sort of mentally there, and then what would you say? How would you say they've sort of responded to that message since then? Well, we just did not de- de- defend as well as we have been. That's one thing that we've always done here. We just did not do a very good job of that uh, in that game and, and, and during probably about a week and a half before that. So uh, we just decided to go 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 with a little lineup change. It wasn't because one person was doing anything wrong or anything like that, uh, but what it did by bringing – Chris Lynn Carr, Liz Dixon, and Morgan Jones off the bench was provide offense for us. So now we've got a very good punch coming off the bench from the scoring side of things, which really balances some things out better for us. Um, you know, so it's worked well so far, and we'll we'll stick with it. It really has not impacted anyone's playing per their their, their playing time. You know, everyone's still averaging about the same uh, uh, minutes each game. So you're talking about just sort of the combinations and when you're injecting them into the game is, is, has made that much of a difference? Well, I think it, it has. I think, you know, now when we're putting in Chris Carr and Morgan in the, in, into the game, we're, we're bringing some offense. We're bringing some, some, some consistent offense that we've had throughout the year. So it's really given us a, a, a big boost. Talk, uh, can you talk to us at least a little bit about uh, Haley Van Lith sitting in that critical quarter uh, against Syracuse and maybe how what you were hoping to get out of that, either with her or with the rest of the team, and, and how pleased you were with how they responded to that challenge there? Well, it really wasn't uh, uh, pu- pulling her out of the game to sit her. I, mm-hmm. I pulled her out of the game with like a minute to go in the uh, third quarter just to try, try and give her a little bit uh, uh, of a breather. You know, you get a minute of game time, which is normally about a minute and a half to two minutes with stoppage in play, and then you get a two-and-a-half-minute timeout before the fourth quarter starts up. So my goal was to see if we couldn't get her about, you know, three-and-a-half, four minutes of rest and get her back in at the start of the fourth quarter. Well, what we did was we uh, we went on a, a 7-0 run over a 40-second span with that group that was on the floor. So I just decided, hey, I'm going to stick with this group here. Let's see what happens. 
and then I think it ended up being like a, a 19 to 0 yeah. run. And what I tell people all the time, you know, I, I don't care if LeBron James is on my team. If we're in a, a 15 to 0 or 16 to 0 run, I'm not subbing anyone back in the game. <laughs> you know, I like to go with what's working at that point in time. That that group was doing great. So you know, you just don't put people back in the game to, to put them in the game. Uh, but because we went on that run, it, you know, it just it worked out that way. How well do you think she handled that? You know, not every player in the world is is mature enough to sort of you know to take that with the bigger picture in mind. There, how do you think she handled that? Well, I think she she hand, she she handled it fine. She's averaging close to to, to thirty seven minutes a game. You know, and it just happened to be in one game. I think she played twenty six minutes in that game, or, or, or twenty seven. It's not like she she only played ten. Yeah. Um, and it just happened to be that like we we were on a big run. So I mean, she's able to see that as well, and I mean, she she wants to win like anybody else does. So if something is working, you know, don't don't, don't change it to just change it. Well, one of the changes that you did make was uh, inserting uh, Narika Kono into the starting lineup, and she seems. I think the quote was that she feels really happy <laughs> right now. What have you seen, sort of, with the, the changes in her development and her this year, uh, in her response to maybe a little bit different role in the team now? Well, I just think she's in a much better place, uh, you know, with schoolwork, uh, emotionally. Just really, I think, has all of that school under control. She feels good about it. She's in her last semester. And uh, now she's doing what I you know, thought she would be able to do throughout her career. She's shown glimpses of really good games, even from her freshman year on. But it's just being able to be that consistent uh, night in and night out. But, you know, whenever it gets to a point where she's not playing well, it's normally because of the, the stressors of, uh, of academics that are being being put on her just because, I mean, being an international student, uh, going to get a, a marketing degree, uh, she spends a lot, a lot of time on those books. And, uh, you know, I'm just really pr- proud of her and happy for her. We're talking with Jeff Walls. He's the head coach of the Louisville women's basketball team. They've won four in a row. Uh, they've had some bumps, some lineup changes, but it seems to be rounding into form here. Jeff, where would you say – uh, that the team has made the most progress this season from start to now, and then kind of the other side of that, what's the thing that you really, really, really would like to see some movement on most between now and, and tournament time? Well, I think we've, we've really improved at the defensive end of the floor. Now, our second half against uh, Clemson on Sunday, we did not defend well, but the fir- first half we did. So we, we've got to put a four-quarter game together defensively, especially on Thursday night, uh, to be able to give us a chance to, to compete with with no matter who we play. Uh, and then the area of, of concern for me, which we've conti- we have to continue to work on, is limiting our turnovers. Um, and it's not just cut, cutting our turnovers down, it's cutting the number of consecutive uh, 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 our, our our consecutive turnovers down. We we might only end up with with fourteen or fifteen turnovers in a game, but when you go back and look at it, we'll have three in a row, and we'll have a seven point lead. That all of a sudden now it's a one point lead, or we're down one because we never even had a chance to get a shot. That's the area that we have to really continue to work on and, and improve in. I mean, have you had teams where that's an issue before? I always kind of wonder about this, and I kind of. Curious what you what your answer to this is. Like, do teams really change this much uh, over the course of a season to where they can like sort of dramatically improve at something like that? And if so, like, what do they? How? How do you do that? Well, it's just time, time and score. It's working on it in practice, put, uh, putting them in situations. Um, you know, we'll we'll put five basketballs on the rack, and when we've turned it over five times, it's a down and back. Hmm. Uh, that just give them an idea so they can see how often and frequently we'll turn it over. We'll go 20 minutes in practice and not turn the basketball over and look fantastic. And then the next two, <laughs> we'll sit there and turn it over three times. And then that's when we can stop, blow a blow whistle, and be like, hey, here's what we have to work on. This is what we're talking about. We, we did a great job for 20 minutes, and now we turned it over on three straight possessions where you've got to figure out a way after your your second one 
to just be like, hey, we have to get a shot now. We've got to really not try to force something, make easy passes, and get up a shot. So that those are things that we continue to work on, and we'll we'll keep working on. What can you tell us? Uh, so your your thoughts on just the general depth of the league? It seems like the ACC has gotten very good and very deep to where there's almost nobody that you sort of feel like, all right, well, they should win this game, uh, no problem. Like this is a deep, a much deeper ACC. It feels like to me than the one that you walked into several years ago. Yes, it, it's the best our league has been, top to uh, to bottom, in my opinion. Um, you know, you, you you look at Wake Forest; they they put some really nice pieces around Jewel Spears, who will you know is up for you know for for first team all league. Um, the uh, the uh, post player at Virginia uh, Taylor, I believe, is her last name. I mean. The same thing. The kid's going to be up for for first team all league, and they've they've done a really nice job of going into the portal and getting some kids that can make an instant impact. Um, so, really been impressed with with how good our league is getting, and that's the thing. Everybody looks at oh, well, you've got this, you've got a McDonald's All American, McDonald's All American here or there, but what people forget to look at is all of a sudden somebody in high school might come out and not be McDonald's All-American. They go someplace else, they get better, they develop. And now all of a sudden you're getting a proven commodity out of the transfer for a portal. Someone who's done it at a D1 high uh, uh, a level of play. And it's like instantly they know what to do. They know what to expect. And your team becomes, you know, a ton uh, uh, better. So it's just the way it's been. It's it's fun. I mean, every single night, as you say, you have to come prepared to play because everybody is getting better and everybody's really competing hard. What are you What are you up against uh, against Notre Dame here coming up? It's a it's a big one. Got a national TV audience there. What's the the specific challenges they perhaps present for you guys? Well, it's it, it's a game. They have some 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 nice post steps. Uh, they've got a, a really good three point shooter. Their, their point guard uh, was freshman uh, All American, I believe. So whatever she was last year, uh, you know, handles it well. Can pass it. Averages close to eight rebounds a game from the point guard spot. Uh, just a really really good team. Uh, so we're going to have to come out here. And, and play smart, make sure we take take care of the basketball, and then be scouting report prepared. You know, that's the one thing. We have to make sure we follow a scouting report. If we're supposed to go over a ball screen, we got to go over it um, and not give them anything easy. Jeff, it's always good to talk to you, man. Thank you so much. Let's do this again soon, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Jeff Walls, good stuff uh, from him there. They have responded positively to the dressing down uh, that they received after the Wake Forest loss. He unloaded. Uh, and this is a coach that's got uh, the cachet to do that. You know, I, I think that uh, Jeff Walls has, like, you can, I think you can default with him if you see him saying what he said after the Wake Forest game, which is, we refuse to defend. We don't do what we're supposed to do. You talk, I mean, that answer, that last answer right there, that's a coach telling you. They've had problems this year with people following the freaking scouting report. But if we don't, probably going to be all right. But, you know, like this is what I think has been frustrating for a lot of folks about uh, the men's side is you've got an issue. Jeff Walls is basically like, this stinks, and I'm changing something. And on the men's side, it's been like, this stinks, and we're just going to stick with it. I think that's the, the number one thing that drives people crazy is like, Jeff's like, no, we're, we're, I just wanted to see if it would be different. I mean, I think the sad reality is the women's side, you have the depth and the resources to make a lineup change and not lose anything. Whereas yeah. on the men's side, unfortunately, you feel like if you make a lineup change outside maybe Stugger Core 4, who we all both love here, you're, you're going to lose something because the bench is not, frankly, any good. But I still, you know, I honestly think, though, there, the difference, you're right. He's got more to sort of experiment with. And I don't want to be unfair uh, in that regard. But on the women's side, I mean, he just talked about putting Narika Kono in there as a starter. She wasn't playing well. It was like it was truly just like let's just see what that does. And it's 
it's helped. It's helped her and it's helped the team. Uh, and I, I think a lot of people would love to see something like that on the men's side, even something that you can't totally explain why it might work or make a difference, just to see if it gives you something different. Because I think at the, if we get to the end of the year and and you know the season goes as poorly as it has, I think you you would at least like to have the feeling that you sort of emptied the chamber and did everything you could, tried everything that you could. Because that's the crazy part about not really having a ton of depth on the men's side is you really it wouldn't take much to try everything, right? What if he comes out tomorrow with a lineup change and the unthinkable happens in the upset Virginia? That's what I'm saying. Like it's the number one thing I want to happen. I'm I'm dead serious about this, it, because it would be. It does seem like every coach who's great has some coach who just has their number. And it's like it's like in, it's entirely to torture them, you know. Nick Saban, it just, Hugh Freeze had his number, you know. Like th- th- there's always someone who kind of on a regular basis just sort of seems to f- have you figured out. I mean, I think Rick had that with Virginia for a while. I would love for that to happen, but I can't imagine. Can you? I can't imagine a worse game and a worse opponent and a worse matchup than to be like. Tonight we're gonna try Fabio at the one and LLS at the two, then Virginia and Kia Clark. Oh yeah, no. It's I mean Kia be... Clark is old enough to be Fabio's father. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like I again, no hope tomorrow night. That that's kinda of how every game is, unfortunately, at this point. Saying is that you know that Georgia Tech game, there was a little bit of hope and they actually won that game, but I can't imagine that anything goes well tomorrow night. Well, and that's that's the thing. Well, said that I said that about Miami and a lot went well. And, and so you I think you'd hope that at least on the offensive end, some of that confidence will will carry forward. I think it's interesting that this will be this Virginia team that they're going to play tomorrow night is going to be by far of all the most recent Virginia teams, the most likely and the the one that's going to play the most minutes, small ball. You know, there are lineups that they play with where they'll go stretches with the the five guy as a six six guy. You know, and and Louisville should try to make some hay with that. You know, I would think to to whatever extent they try to do that, I'm working the ball in the post every time. But what we're talking about is opponent specific game planning, and the sort of thing that makes you feel better about the coaches and coaching preparation is having some, a, a an obvious plan to attack a specific opponent. There hasn't been that sense really at all, and that's where you know to whatever extent you want to give them some some breathing room for sort of the roster and all that sort of thing, uh, that you could still be doing that stuff. And they haven't done enough of that either. 8150-939, that's uh, the number if you would like to get in here. You can. Virginia is different because they're relentless on defense. Yes, they are. It's a, it's, it is an established culture. Uh, you don't go there. like You go there with eyes wide open. You know exactly what you're signing up for, exactly what you're signing up to do. Uh, and B, and they live, eat, sleep, and breathe it. And it's a nightmare for everybody. And they've gotten, I think, a lot better uh, about keeping that right. You know, it was overachievers. Remember, we used to complain about, or sort of complain about this, about the Mac style, with, you know, the pack line, and sort of thing. It was an overachiever strategy. And they've stuck with it, but they've gotten, I think, some pretty skilled guys to buy into it. The good news, at least, is there's no, like, Ivan Drago looking dude that they're just going to pull off the bench. You know what I mean? Like no, just a complete meat, Jack Salt guy, you know? Oh my. You know, I, just please, no more of that. I don't need anybody like that because they, I mean, as nasty sort of physical as they are. Although that national championship team, I will never forget, you know, doing the shows from the ACC tournament in Charlotte, from the lobby where Louisville was staying and Virginia was staying there too on different floors. And when the Virginia team came by, they like an esports team. Like there was, they were not a physically imposing team at all. None of them. It's just you wouldn't look at them and be like, "That's the best basketball team in the country." You would never say that if you saw them. Oh yeah, that, that that's what they did was that you know the pack line. It worked that whole season. Also, I think they had the revenge factor from the year before after losing. And they just 16-1. hit big shots. Yeah, that too. And you know they also got lucky with the Auburn game. Texture says, "Can Mikasa, Mikasa Roberts, can can she play with the guy? She is such a beast." They, if there was one thing that the 
this Louisville team, the men's team, would benefit from the most, it's someone like her. She delights in playing defense, uh, delights in all the non-scoring stuff, genuinely, loves to muck it up rebounding, defending. She is not intimidated in the least physically, not afraid of anyone, uh, and is a uh, constant, I almost said uh, perennial and constant, but she's consistently energetic and always talking to them always talking to other teammates. And if you want to talk about uh, looking at them, a, a te- the biggest contrast between these two teams, I mean, Jeff's, Jeff's also got an established culture. And they are constantly talking to one another. And if there's a one gigantic failure that I think just sort of sticks out to me when I watch them, they don't talk to each other. And it, it blows me away. It's, I mean, it is stark compared to almost anybody that they play, how little they seem to talk to one another. I just don't know how that happens. There's no chemistry on the men's side. I don't know what they yeah. what they do off the court. I guess it's like, okay, practice is over, guys. See you tomorrow. There's like no team building, no chemistry off the court. It's like that's the one that has been stark since day one of this season. Is there's usually like no chemistry at all with this group. And the women's it took a while for the chemistry to at least on court of show, but now there's a lot of you can see it game in and game out after the lineup changes that Jeff's made recently. So that's the big difference between both programs. The chemistry is just not there. It appears on the men's side. We got uh, this is like the most 2023 thing ever. We have a uh, Juju Smith Schuster tweeting a Valentine. Did you see this? Oh yeah, it was great. And it's a picture of Bradbury from from the Eagles, and the Valentine says, "I'll hold you when it matters most." To which AJ Brown, unimpressed by that, says, first off, congratulations, y'all deserve it." This is lame. What a great sentence. Congratulations. <laughs> Y'all deserve it. This is lame. <laughs> uh, I just find hilarious that Juju went from like TikTok guy with the Steelers. He's not done. Oh, it's more? Oh, yeah. First off, congratulations. <laughs> Y'all deserve it, AJ Brown says. This is lame. You was on the way out of the league before Mahomes resurrected your career on your one-year deal, TikTok boy. He admitted that he grabbed you, but don't act like you like that or ever was. But congratulations again. Not salty at all. TikTok boy. That's what he did in Pittsburgh was the TikToks. Oh, that's so good. I just wonder what Steelers fans, you know, watching that game is like, this guy was a nuisance. Oh, I know. He's winning a ring here. I know. Well, that's the thing. Like Patrick Mahomes, he's in a weird way, it might be the place where Mahomes is most like Brady. That as long as he has like one bona fide weapon and everyone else just sort of does what they're supposed to do, in Mahomes' case, it's uh, Kelsey. But as long as you've got one good weapon, it kind of like you can just sort of throw your your scraps out there and it like just like Brady did with all those god awful wide receivers over the years. He's uh, reaching the Brady stage of his career. That's what I'm he's only well, 27. Once you get expensive, and Lamar might have to think about this too, like once you become expensive as a quarterback, you got to be cheap somewhere else. And you end up, we're going to have to win this Super Bowl with Marquez Valdez-Scantley and Juju Smith-Schuster. All hyphenated wide receivers. Isaiah Pacheco, seventh-round rookie out of Rutgers. (laughs) I think I saw the stat today. This is incredible. 24 of the 53 men on the roster for the Super Bowl for the Chiefs were not on the roster for the Cincinnati AFC Championship game last year. So almost half the roster turns over, and there they are. But that's that's how you have to do it. Once your quarterback's on the expensive deal, you've got to be cheap at some of your skill positions. I think you got to be you got to draft well, extremely well. They and they did. They addressed their offensive line. They drafted well on the defensive side. And when you have Chris Jones, you kind of have a lot of freedom to be able to do whatever you need to do. Well, like Jason Anderson last week came on here and he said like no quarterback has won the Super Bowl taking out whatever the percentage of the cap yep. is that Mahomes takes like thirteen percent, whatever the number is. Yeah, no, it, it's very, it's extremely rare. It's, it's the yeah, he's the what operate or uh, occupies like the largest uh, percentage of the cap for a for Super Bowl winning yeah, quarterback. That's something that has never been done because like the goal has always been lately was get that rookie deal and like Mahomes first Super Bowl they had it where he's on a rookie contract where you can just build around him. Now you're building the roster with Mahomes taking up that much of the cap. It's going to be difficult, and now we get to talk. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break here. And when we come back, we can talk about Lamar because he's got his new off. Well, we'll see. The Ravens have the new offensive coordinator. 
Sorry I, about that, man. I, I think know it, you wanted Munkin back. Uh, I, I think it's a good thing. We'll talk about that on the other side here. On the drive on I thank the bill. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it. But then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis here on a Tuesday. The phone lines, they are open. Andrew Adelson going to join us at 5. Uh, today's been a day, I think, uh, the news dominated by coaching movement, college and pro uh, today, of note, a couple of things here. Uh, Louisville's uh, Lamar Jackson, obviously, we've been sort of paying attention to the Ravens uh, trying to win with an offense somewhere out of the 1970s uh, for a lot uh, of the time that he, well, for the entire time that he's been there. Uh, the Ravens moved on from Greg Roman uh, and have, I guess we have learned now, they interviewed 14 people. 21 total interviews, 14 different candidates, I believe is what they said, uh, and have settled on Georgia's offensive coordinator, Todd Monken, who actually has, uh, I think, more pro experience than college uh, as an offensive coordinator and is considered kind of on the, the air raid tree. Uh, but in, like in recently in his career, I mean, started out early on in the college game in the early 90s with Notre Dame and some other places, Oklahoma State in the early 2000s, LSU, uh, before moving on to the NFL, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, where he was the offensive coordinator for a couple of years there, uh, when Jameis was throwing passes to everybody's teams. Uh, and That's the, more on Jameis. Than and the, oh, oh, yes. Don't you remember the very famous story of uh, the uh, coaches on the headset saying, I bet those are pick here? Like the Bucks coaches? Oh, yeah. I think yeah. I remember seeing that. Yeah, that was, that was Monken. Uh, back then uh, but look the last couple of years Georgia finally got their offensive act together uh, because Monken's a very very good offensive coordinator I watched a clip of him when he was with uh, the Cleveland Browns where he was asked about you know what do you think the air raid means since you're identified as somebody sort of on the air raidish kind of tree there and he said it means throwing to win and I can't think of anything I wanted to hear more for Lamar in Baltimore uh, than they're going to throw intentionally more. And I think that, you know, Roman was obviously the offense was pretty good, but I think it it had its limitations. And everyone I know who is just kind of a, a nerd about football was hopeful they would find someone who would ask more of Lamar in the passing game and have more for Lamar in the passing game. That's what this seems like to me. Uh, I uh, asked uh, Bobby Trossett, who we've had on a million times, uh, about. So he said, "This is Jim Harbaugh. This is like, this is what he wants. It is obvious they're trying to take something of a step forward here. They're not going to get away from the running game. They didn't at Georgia. I don't think that they will with uh, with Baltimore either. But if I was Lamar, I would be encouraged by this. the The passing game with him at college and the pro has, uh, levels has been really good with Todd Monk, and I would think that this would be a good sign." But they're going to have to draft some people and get some people. Maybe this helps in the free agent game with Baltimore. Like That's what I'm kind of hoping for the most is that a guy with kind of a proven track record here will help them in the free agent game. Because I think there's no denying that the last couple of years when free agent wide receivers have hit the market, that they don't want to play in Baltimore. Didn't, was it Sammy Watkins that once famously said, like, I don't want to play for Greg Roman anymore. They're just going to run the ball the entire time. I want to see Watkins had a quote like that, or someone similar. I don't think that it was him. I think it was 
Juju that said that? I could be wrong. Also, Juju not, never was in Baltimore, though. No, I know. I'm saying that as a free agent. Oh, free agent. Yeah, the, the, you could be right. Uh, whoever yeah. someone it was. definitely or maybe Hollywood on the, his way out may have made well, a comment that, like that. That might be right, but they're gonna have. I mean, they're gonna have to address wide receiver. They don't have a great wide receiver core at all. Bateman's obviously got to get healthy, but they are gonna have to sort of change some personnel there. That was a Ross. It was just like swimming in these gigantic tight ends and offensive linemen, and and they're gonna have to sort of join the rest of us in uh, 2023 here. But hey, they got Pro Bowler Tyler Huntley on the roster too. There you go. <laughs> that was the worst. God, can you imagine? <laughs> It's like, oh, well, we had Tyler Helling the Pro Bowl, so Lamar, you can walk. We'll be fine. It's incredible. Or just draft Stetson been in like the seventh round. It's like, hey, I had success with Stetson. Let's bring him to Baltimore now. Well, I mean, if you're Lamar, do you, I mean, are you encouraged by this? Oh, you have to be encouraged, at least from an offensive standpoint. Now you can look at, like we said, the roster, the makeup they have right now. Get me some guys to throw to that can catch. But other than that, like, you have to be ecstatic because. I think he liked Roman early on when he was, you know, more on that dual threat side, and he can still run it, obviously. But I think, you know, with the injuries lately, Lamar's going to look to sit back in that pocket and throw the ball more than he's been able to in the past few years. So I think, you know, getting Munkin in there on the offensive coordinator side, it's going to be a big step forward for Lamar. Yeah, it was funny, though, for as much as we were just talking about uh, the the Chiefs and wide receivers, and, it, you know, that would be an amazing wide receiver core for Lamar <laughs> by comparison to what he sort of dealt with um, for most of his time there in Baltimore. Uh, that would be fantastic if he was able to have something like that. So hopefully they'll – I don't really know what to make of Bateman. Like we have a texture that says that the Bateman is a number two at best. Maybe. He's not anything if he's hurt all the time. He's the guy's got to get healthy. I mean, the best of, uh, ability is availability, right? Like, he's got to yep. be out there. They have to have somebody. But I ha- I can't help but think that this is going to be a good thing for Lamar. And if and I would hope – I hope the Ravens aren't trying to play some sort of hardball game uh, here. I hope that they sincerely do want to bring the guy back. I mean, they've been a – you're a playoff team every year with him there. It, why you would want to burn that bridge and just sort of take your chances trying to find another quarterback? Look what happens to these teams that don't have a good quarterback. God. Why would you ever want to swim in these waters? I mean, you had to deal with it for Tampa for all those years. Almost all of my life. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing it right now. I'm semi doing that. Depending on how you feel about Mac Jones, I'm more optimistic now. I think last year the coaching staff just did a disservice there. But I mean, so yeah, if you don't have a quarterback, you're not winning the division more than likely. Eighty-one fifty at ninety-three nine. That's the number he'd like to get in here. Thirty-eight thirty-one. 93.9 for the UPS jobs text line. So look, I'm hopeful that this is all part of a plan to sort of bring Lamar back and build an offense that will resemble one of the pro ones because i don't know about you like i'm watching i know the ravens do some interesting or have done some unique stuff with lamar but watching that super bowl i couldn't help but think like these are unbelievably creative clever offenses and it never feels like the ravens are that oh just watching the eagles and seeing how they utilize jalen hurts it's like that's a good example there it's like you can utilize you know the passing game then Fourth and one QB sneak, use Lamar Jackson because he's got the legs to get power through everything there. Yeah, I, I that's almost exactly what I thought. You know, I was looking for, uh, thinking about uh, Jalen Hurts in that offense. Like, Lamar could do almost all that. I think that the difference between the two of them is he's strong. I think he's stronger. I'd give you that, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, Chris Jones coming over the top of that pile and just sort of getting bounced back into the end zone on that quarterback sneak was kind of crazy. Yeah, then the Eagles' O-line is probably better than Baltimore. I mean, you need to look more in-depth on that, but just based on the Super Bowl appearance, like Chris Jones couldn't get anything going. No, I, I would I would love uh, to see Lamar in an offense like that. And, of course, obviously you're going to tailor it, uh, but I'm hopeful that this will at least be sort of a sign of goodwill, some movement. Uh, with him and a chance to sort of see him in just a regular offense. You know, I, I've i hated the feeling that I've gotten from what Baltimore does. It's almost like they don't trust him in a regular offense. Do you ever feel like that when I watch him? I do. A little bit, yeah. I would like to see how he does. Because, look, if he stinks in a regular offense, well, then we've learned. Okay? We've learned. We go back to what we're, was working last or year. Or something years. close to it, right? I'm just now just trying to go through Georgia last year. Like that tile game, that first quarter – Stetson Bennett's touchdown run he had. Imagine Lamar doing that next year with the Todd Munkin offense. I mean, I'm. <laughs> you know, I saw that Matt Fortunix made the joke, but it, it's true that he's he's going to go from his quarterback at Georgia, who's one year younger than Lamar, 
in his fifth year in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, that was the one of the wildest stats was it's like Stetson Bennett does he have a PhD now because he's been in college that long? He could. Well, it's all apparently that's the theme today. These players are this far along uh, in their their college careers. Kia Clark and Stetson Bennett, these guys that are all closer to thirty than twenty. They are. It will be nice, sir, in a few years when like we're removed from that COVID year that everyone got that extra year. So we everyone's you know slightly younger. You don't have nineteen year olds going against twenty five year olds on the field or court. I did note. Uh, so you're talking about sort of older uh, players that the. the you know, the continued kind of slide of what Kentucky fans think of Cal is, to me, it's it's shocking. Uh, just because it sort of seemed like the perfect thing for a very, very long time. Uh, but the, the refusal to have optimism about next year uh, because of a great recruiting class, which used to almost be the automatic uh, reason to have optimism for next year. Uh, but the number of people pointing out that, that college basketball has gotten older. And that you're really, instead of it being more likely, it is less likely that a team that's extremely young uh, is going to be good in a college basketball where you can get transfers that are men and be older. I mean, just look at Kansas last year. They were, or Villanova when they went, you know, two out of three years, they were a primarily older roster both times. There was a, uh, a stat, Chris Fisher, I think, who works with uh, Kentucky's 24 7 site, he was talking about. They are bringing in, you know, a really good recruiting class next year. We're freaking familiar, right? Uh, but the number one recruiting classes, this is what Chris said, don't mean as much as they used to. Duke and Arkansas were the top two recruiting classes this past year. They're both seventeen and eight so far. There's other injury issues, but still seventeen and eight because of the transfer portal and NIL. College basketball is as old as it's been in a long time. Alabama's Brandon Miller is the only freshman among the top 100 scorers in college basketball. Man, that's... When was the last time that was true? I was going to say, that's been... Because like, just over the course of the last few years, you just see the top draft prospects are usually you know, always freshmen because you have you know young and development, what you have with the NBA there. But again, you don't see that many... One! Play, one out of top 100. I mean, I'm surprised by that stat, honestly. That is a shocking stat. But you can understand... And teams are changing the way they are recruiting. I mean, we're about to watch Louisville do this. Hopefully. We're about to watch Louisville bring in a whole bunch of older guys uh, to have a team that's a little bit more mature and a little bit more experienced right away. I mean, that's that's what they're going to try to do, and a number of teams are doing that to where when you bring in 18-year-old freshmen, they're far more likely to be playing night in, night out, especially in the conference, in the SEC, or in our case, in the ACC, against guys who are older, more mature, more developed, more of a sure thing, more consistent, it's less likely you're going to win with a bunch of superstar sort of stud freshmen than you used to be. Uh, and and Chris Fisher brings up the fact that they're 180, 170, 165. Like, they're skinny. Good luck. Good luck. We are a long ways from being like just absolutely terrified of DeMarcus Cousins as an 18-year-old. It appears They don't seem way. to make those anymore. Yeah, they don't. My favorite thing that I ever heard from him was him saying that uh, DeMarcus arrived. He was 14 when he arrived, and he was 16 by the time he left on the inside. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. What a mess. Uh, not the only coaching movement uh, on the day, uh, however. I couldn't help but laugh. Derek Nicholson, who was here, the linebackers coach at, uh, with Scott Satterfield, the inside linebackers coach, who's really, I think he's a really good coach, already leaving to go to Miami, uh, leaving Scott's staff at Cincinnati to go to Miami, and replace Charlie Strong, who just left Miami after he didn't get uh, consideration for the defensive coordinator job. Uh, Scott, the, the thing that surprised me most about his entire tenure here was the amount of coaching turnover that that happened after after the South Carolina thing. It really did feel like now, kind of in retrospect, the people got the hell out of here when they could uh, because they felt like he was trying to do the exact same thing. Uh, and it's already I mean, starting Ponce up there. just kept going back to App State the entire I know, time. Ponce. <laughs> It's like the island and lost for him, Ponce. You know, we have to go back. Like he just, you know, wherever he goes, he has to go back to App State at all times. It's one of the funnier things. Uh, but he is heading down uh, to Miami now. And Miami, what, whatever in the world is going on uh, down there, I think we can all remember Shannon Dawson as the offensive coordinator at Kentucky and Stoops hating him. I mean, absolutely hating him. And Kentucky fans hating him, 
And now here he is heading on down uh, to, to Miami. He's going to be the offensive coordinator at Miami. I don't know what part of them makes like thinks that that's going to work. And I, if I'm a Miami fan, like they're money whipping everyone. And this is what they're ending up with. And you got people getting out of there, turnover, uh, coordinator turnover, heavy coordinator turnover, like right away. I mean, Cristobal's got a bit of a reputation, kind of like Bobby. Like he's pretty miserable to work for. Uh, but you're gonna you're gonna have good recruits, and you're gonna make a lot of money. But people get the hell out of there as quickly as they can. And, you know, that's a game on Louisville's schedule that's going to get. I think it's going to get a lot of attention. Obviously, anytime Louisville plays Miami, it's kind of an opportunity to make a statement down there in, in South Florida. But it's not going well down there. I, I just love that the game's in November. You get to go just to nice weather in November. But yeah, like going to Boston College or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, the staff turnover. I'm surprised because I thought Chris Ball's gonna be a great hire there because his Oregon teams were always year in and year out, pretty top of the country. There. It seems like the, the he's the problem though, and like that not like he's difficult to work for. Uh, and Shannon Doss like just not a good offensive coordinator. He's just not. He hasn't. He really hasn't been. Over the part of his career, and, and I think if I'm a Miami fan, I'm worried. Like that's the best we can do, especially when we're just like firing money out of the can, like teacher can, and like just paying everybody for everything all the time, like crazy. That's the best we could do. It's going to be interesting to see what Miami does, and I'm, how long does Crystal? How long is the leash going to be there? Because he is, you know, one of their own. It, we've discussed it's definitely more difficult to fire one of your own. But how long is this leash going to be at Miami if they have another sub 500 year? They got. I mean, I've listened to Mike Ryan, who's on, you know on Levitar, talk about the experiment with Cristobal, like that it it has to work because of the amount of money they've committed to him and everyone else, kind of around it. But if I'm a little fan, like that, Shannon Dawson being their offensive coordinator, that didn't scare me at all. And I don't, I, mean, I don't know how they feel about Louisville's defensive staff. We'll see. Yeah, but like, Ronnie he's English. not good. He was not a good offensive coordinator, and they did that was a messy, messy situation uh, last year. They got. In a weird way, kind of mirrors what happened with Louisville basketball, where you hired your guy, and you so we're gonna bring everybody back together. Everyone's on board, and they got worse, not better. The fact that you get Gaddis from Michigan, who won the Broyles Award, and then in one year he's fired, and got from, the hell out of there. Yeah, yeah, it's like that should be. A, that's the first red flag, other than you know the season not going too well for them. No, I, it was a disaster, I think, by the end of the year for them. And they didn't really see any of the fruit initially, with the exception. This is maybe where his biggest difference with Kenny. They recruited like crazy. They did really well in the recruiting. And he also had head coaching experience. That, well, that, but that makes it worse, right? Yeah, that would make it. Because you, like, you see the track record that he had at Oregon, and it's like, why are we not producing here? Texture says, I went to the Miami game in 2019. November, the weather was a mixed bag. It landed in a monsoon. I remember that. Game day was cool and rainy. Sunday was sunny and windy. That's Florida, especially South Florida. I mean, that's just, you'll get a torrential downpour, and then it'll be gone in an hour, and it'll be steaming, which is miserable. When I was in high school, man, we, that was the worst. You'd be sitting in, like, your fifth period class, and it's just, it almost looks like nighttime outside, just pouring rain. You're like, we ain't going to practice today. Yes, you are. Because in sixth period, it's all going to go away. And you get out there, and it's just steam. Oh my! It's immediately like 90 it, degrees like again. It, it was. It sucked. It was the worst. It was absolutely terrible. How were game days back then when you had the same kind of situation? Game day was fine. I never played an in. I played one JV game that we played in absolute monsoon. And I was freezing. It was weird because it was very windy. So it was like in the 50s and pouring rain, like an inch of water on the field. I'm in the center in the JV team, and I'm snapping the ball with my hand underwater. It was terrible. It was absolutely <laughs> it terrible. Awful. Like it the, was awful. It's like that Bears-Niners game this past year. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Or like when game. Louisville played Southern Miss, you know, when Teddy oh, yeah, was here down there ago. where there was like rivers of water on the field. There was streams. Like you could see it. It was like currents. It was like that. It was terrible. One time, in fact, the referee put the ball down and spotted it for me to grab it to, to snap it, and he just – jammed it down in like just like a giant thing of mud and I couldn't grab it so I kind of looked up at him I was like kind of signaling for him to towel the look because they're supposed to and he just laughed like what are you kidding me what am I going to do the ball's going to look exactly the same if I pick that thing up and rub this towel on it you just want to be there he, he's yeah he's just, come game. on buddy, just get this game over with <laughs> I'm getting $50 for this JV game <laughs> I'm not bending over to towel the ball off for you 14 year old <laughs> great times Great times uh, back then. 8150 uh, 939. That's uh, the number if you'd like.
to get in here. We'll talk about all of this uh, with with Andrea Adelson at, at 5 o'clock. But some coaching movement, some of these moves I'm excited about. I think we'd be remiss if we did not give uh, John Gannon a shout-out for officially being named the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals uh, today. I know the Super Bowl did not go uh, the way that they wanted it to, but one of our own now, uh, a head coach in a tough situation. Well, also, did you see Steve Steichen? Apparently he was an assistant or offensive analyst back in 2010 in Louisville. So both guys who were on the Eagles staff who got named head coaches, they Louisville ties. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I, I truly would love to know the real honest answer for why Eric Bieniemy doesn't. He clearly wants a head coaching job, and he might go to the Commanders to be an OC there. I mean, he, he was be... going to go. He was going to interview with Baltimore. Yeah, it's. I mean, Shane Steichen and John Gannon. I mean, they're, they're much younger and less experienced than than Eric Bieniemy, and a number of the new coaches this year that have been hired are 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 that. And they obviously have results. I mean, everyone who's ever bought Starbucks near you know, the Rams coaching staff has gotten a head coaching job somewhere. Zach Taylor's a QB's coach, and he got promoted. Then you have, you know, BNME OC for the Eagles for five years now. And it's like it never happened with, like, you know, Matt Nagy, Doug Peterson. They were OCs under Andy Reid. They got head coaching jobs, no problem. So I'm with you. I've been for years on the, you know, BNME deserves a head coaching job train. I, just, I mean, I'm not even saying it's necessarily something nefarious. I just I would love to know what happens that these guys just skate right through sort of through the process I mean, and he can't find a head coaching there job. There was a report I remember reading, although I'm not sure if it was you know kind of a racial thing, where it's like he's just a bad interview. And I know that's a code word that they were trying to throw out there, but that was I remember reading something similar about that. You know, the problem with with that is that we can we'll never know that. You know, like we there's no way we could mm-hmm. ever know that he's not a. Uh, that he's a bad interview. Exactly. Like, yeah, we're not in on those meetings. Yeah, we. I mean, just that sort of seems like the thing you would sort of leak out there if you just really didn't want him to. Eighty-one fifty ninety-three nine. That's uh, the number if you would like to get in here. Thirty-eight thirty-one ninety-three nine for the UPS job sex. So good luck for Gannon. He's going to go to Arizona where they are in that situation now, where they've got the expensive quarterback. Uh, and I, I think it's fair to say that was kind of a weird, dysfunctional place. Right, like they, they, they didn't. I mean, we had what the quarterback with the uh, you can't play video games all day clause in his contract, and then they take it out, uh, and uh, we punish him by uh, by making. Remember that his punishment was you got to call the plays now. You, you don't like it. We'll see how you do I it. I remember reading like that. The, what a mess uh, that is. And I mean, Kyler Murray seems like kind of a turd. And right. Steve Kimes out. Well, there was also health reasons for that too. But new GM, new coach. It's going to be an interesting situation in Arizona. And I don't know how it's going to turn out. I'm not super high on Kyler. Also wasn't high on Kingsbury. So I think getting will be fine, but it's definitely a tough situation. Texture says, be the offensive coordinator with Mahomes and keep winning the Super Bowl or be a head coach without Mahomes and be fired in three years. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I know. But the guy wants to be a head coach. Like, he's not suffering. So He's not, but like, like we just discussed, he is pondering a move to Washington – the commanders to be their OC just because you know Rivera's a defensive guy it's gonna be completely his offense you're gonna know that it's his offense and his play calls there but even then I'd stick with Kansas City if I was being a me I would be picky you know I, I wouldn't just go for any old uh, place I, I I would be picky but I mean the guy wants to be head coach it just seems like far less qualified people than him skate right to a head coaching job Oh yeah, we could go. We spend a whole hour just naming guys like that, like Mike McDaniel, who I think is did a nice job in Miami and is a is a brilliant guy. How is he already a head coach? That, that was another interesting hire. I mean, we, like the affirmation, Cliff Kingsbury fell upward. <laughs> he did, he did, Cliff Kingsbury. He's handsome. Who's just going to live in Thailand now? Apparently, for next year. NFL's full of some weird people right now, I think. Like Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to do a four-day uh, <laughs> four darkness, darkness retreat. retreat. And he's like, oh, it starts next week. He's going on his McAfee appearance tomorrow. I was like, was it Oh, he did Tuesday? McAfee today. Oh, today. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, it is Tuesday. I just wish he'd pick somewhere. I'm mean, kind of tired of hearing from him. Oh, I am. I don't know how it's like being a Packers fan. I mean, I got Packers friends in my life, obviously, and they're you know more or less fed up with it. It's like, 
just retire or leave. Like we, the drama's not worth it anymore with him. Texture says I was. I think the enemy was hoping Andy Reid would retire. Uh, I, it certainly seemed like they thought that might happen, or you know, he's he didn't rule it out going into the game. I would have. That wouldn't be a bad boy. Could you imagine if he just sort of hung around until like he could immediately get promoted there? You know, do what um, Bruce Arians did last year, where or, he's like uh, retire, and then it's like, oh, we'll just promote my assistant to the head coaching which spot. Went great. Yeah. Or George Seifert even won a Super Bowl immediately. Right? Like that was that worked out uh, pretty well there uh, as well. I here's what I don't understand. I don't understand why you commit all of that money and time to Kyler Murray and then hire a defensive coordinator as your head coach. Like it just seems like you automatically want somebody with an offensive background when when you're already committed to the quarterback. Yeah, there there's that argument to be made there, I guess. I mean, that's the OC position in Arizona now just became a very interesting hire who they're going to get if, you know, to help Kyler with his development, like you just said. But we've seen defensive coaches succeed with Belichick, obviously. That's a, obviously an outlier more so than not. But Sean McDermott over in Buffalo, he's a defensive-minded coach, and he's succeeding with Allen. I mean, good luck. But that's one of our own. That's another uh, former Louisville guy uh, that's going to be uh, now a head coach uh, in the NFL. Jay Gruden hung around for a while. I wonder what Colts fans think of that hire. If I was honestly coming out of the Super Bowl, I'd be much more excited about having hired their offensive coordinator than the defense coordinator, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, 100%. And that's also now the second straight Colts coaching hire that was the OC for the Eagles. Frank Reich was in the position, wins the Super Bowl, goes to the Colts. Now Eagles make the Super Bowl, and you go take Steichen. And the Eagles hired the Colts. Yeah, Sirianni. <laughs> go there and be the, uh, the coordinator there. And, man, we got to eat. All of the crow uh, on Syriana. We had our fun at his expense for sure, uh, and it's worked out extremely. I was well. hoping they would win, just because like I was at a friend's house watching the game, and I was looked over to him like, if they win, like Syriani and Hurts has to be like, one of the weirder QB coach combos to win a Super Bowl because like you like we had, we loved Hurts in college, where like he's could maybe be successful in the NFL, but it's like that's such an odd pairing that it somehow led to a Super Bowl appearance. They're not going anywhere. That's a really young team, too. Yeah, Hurts is eligible for the extension, so we'll see what Philadelphia, if they shove the money up there. Yeah, they that, gave Carson Wentz the money, and that didn't end up going well, obviously. <laughs> Carson Wentz. <laughs> it's amazing to think about. Like You watch that Super Bowl, which is two of the best quarterback like matchups I've ever seen. And then for, to think that Carson Wentz, like they thought Carson Wentz was going to be the guy after the way those two guys played, uh, and like, it's crazy. All right. Our number two here in the books. We're going to come back. We'll talk uh, with Andrea Adelson from ESPN. On the other side here, on the drive on 10 the bill.